Welcome to Coffee House. We live in strange times. There seems to be this collective psychopathology that calls into question the good-natured foundation of human civilization. Let me back up a bit. Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie is an author. She's written three novels, Purple Hibiscus, Half of a Yellow Sun, and Americana. She describes herself as a feminist. She had a run-in with a member of the imminent generation that is illustrative of kind of where we are right now, and she wrote about it in an article. It was published on June 15, 2021. It was on her website. It's titled, It is Obscene, A True Reflection in Three Parts. Now, I saw this being shared on Twitter as having some important notes, so I thought I'd take a look at it, and having taken a look at it, this is what I found. So, this is an article. It's not a book, but we are going to go through the contents, do a brief analysis where we talk about kind of the quality of the piece and what to take from it, and then we're going to talk some big picture stuff to try to fold it into our wider understanding of the world, as always. And just before we get into that, I wanted to say I have my first article up on Substack, so if we, you want to take a look at that, Coffeehouse Corner, you can read that. It's called Critical Race Theory from the Gilded Podium. And obviously, it's it's brilliant and extremely important, so have a look at that if you get a chance. On to the contents. So part one, Shimamanda held workshops for new writers, and this one particular writer, whom the author doesn't name, stood out. The writer was described as bright and interested in feminism. Now, of course, that latter bit should have been the first red flag, but the writer of this article is herself a feminist, so... But she invited her to her home. She supported her. They had long conversations and she was kind of a mentor to her because uh, this person also wanted to write. And then separately, Chimamanda gave an interview in March of 2017 in which she said that a trans woman is a trans woman. Now, this particular statement is kind of underplayed within the article itself. But what it seems to say is that a trans woman is a trans woman as opposed to a trans woman is a woman. And it was part of a larger point. The author says that we should be able to acknowledge difference while still being fully inclusive. She learned soon after that that this particular author and mentee started insulting Chimamanda on social media. I hope I'm pronouncing that name <laughs> properly. The author then offers some admonitions about how she supports trans people and all marginalized people, which kind of struck me. It's something that kind of annoys me whenever I hear that. It's like, obviously, you should support everybody, all people, marginalized or not, whatever your <laughs> definition or category marginalized is. Because so within any context, anybody can be marginalized. They can even just feel marginalized even if they might not be. But there's much more complexity than to just put people into two categories, one category of non-marginalized and one category of marginalized. Anyway, so what happened was this particular mentee did not contact her directly, you know, send a text or an email or something like that that said, hey, your view on trans ideology bothers me, so why don't we have a talk about it? Or I'm going to blast you on social media. She went immediately to social media. And then she sent these affected self-regarding emails, and she reproduces the emails in the article, the author does. And they I mean, that's a good description. <laughs> They're affected and self-regarding. So that's totally fair. Brought the receipts on that one. Then toward the end of part one, she says, quote, It is a simple story. You got close to a famous person. You publicly insulted the famous person to aggrandize yourself. The famous person cut you off, end quote. So this is set up. This is what happened between these two people. And then it kind of unfolds into the wider story about what's going on. So part two. Quote, I had not been able to finish reading it. I found the writing beautiful, but the story false-hearted and burdened by bathos. End quote. I love the use of this word, bathos. 
which is defined as anticlimax or letdown. And Chimamanda was specifically talking about the the mentee's book at this point. Hadn't finished it and wasn't a big fan. Uh, the, the mentee apparently called her a murderer as well on social media and was trying to get her canceled. But then subsequently used her name on, a, on the book jacket to try to sell more books when she finally published her, her first novel. Then there was this, you know, back and forth with publishers and trying to get her name off the book. She was concerned the author was concerned about how they'd have to reprint all of the book jackets was I thought it was at least it was a nice touch that she was thoughtful about how the whole publishing thing works and she didn't want to screw over the publisher it wasn't their fault so it's kind of nice that she was concerned about that but she didn't she obviously didn't want her name on something like that and she was seeing how this person was just trying to use her as a celebrity to gain something for themselves and at some point, this person apparently said, and obviously we're just getting the author's perspective here, but to me, she seems like she has a lot of integrity just in general. So I, I generally believe what she has to say about the whole situation here. But the mentee apparently at some point said that the death of the author's parents was a punishment for her transphobia. And this is all on, this wasn't like in a heated you know, conversation after they'd have had a couple drinks or something like that. This was all over social media. You know, it's with an audience and it's specifically a performance. And that's, I think, what she calls it at some point, that it's a performance to try to gain something. And at some point asked her followers to pick up machetes and attack the author. So it has escalated, and we've seen kind of some of the true colors of the mentee. And then we go into part three. And I'm going to read this particular quote at length. There are a few quotes, several quotes at the end here that I want to make sure everybody gets to hear if you don't get to read this particular article. Quote, in certain young people today, like these two from my writing workshop, I notice what I find increasingly troubling. A cold-blooded grasping, a hunger to take and take and take, but never give. A massive sense of entitlement, an inability to show gratitude, an ease with dishonesty and pretension and selfishness that is couched in the language of self-care, an expectation always to be helped and rewarded no matter whether deserving or not, language that is slick and sleek but with little emotional intelligence, an astonishing level of self-absorption, an unrealistic expectation of puritanism from others, an overinflated sense of ability or of talent where there is any at all, an inability to apologize truly and fully without justifications, a passionate performance of virtue that is well executed in the public space of Twitter, but not in the intimate space of friendship, end quote. Just a whole lot of wow when it comes to that particular passage. In certain young people today, it was such a soft opening that just went on to demolish this kind of a person. And it's something to some extent, and I know I just read this massive quote, and so it's going to be hard to really pick out what was said and be able to apply it thereafter. But I, I'm going to put it in the description, just this particular quote, just so everybody has it. But to some degree, each of us does this at some point in our lives to some people. You know, we can be this kind of cold person who just tries to use somebody else, you know, whether it's in a, a romantic relationship or friendship or at work or something like that. We have little flashes of these kinds of moments. But this is where kind of the psychopathology comes in when it comes to the generations coming from behind here. One particular chunk here, it says, an ease with dishonesty and pretension and selfishness that is couched in the language of self-care. That's so important. And that's everything that you see, this dishonesty and pretension and selfishness. And they rationalize it by saying that it has something to do with self-care. I mean, that's so much of what you see nowadays. And that's such a, a beautiful distillation of where things have gone and what's wrong with where we are. 
to move on here, another quote. There are many social media savvy people who are choking on sanctimony and lacking compassion who can fluidly pontificate on Twitter about kindness but are unable to actually show kindness. End quote. And that's what it seems like, is that there's some kind of simulacra of human of humanity that's running itself out there on social media. And it could be the way, because, <laughs> you know, as we were evolving, we didn't know we'd have these kinds of tools. We didn't know we'd have these tiny computers in our pockets that we'd be able to talk to each other like this, communicate in these ways. There are so many important things about the way that we communicate when we communicate in person. I've noticed that, especially recently, that it's really with multiple people, <laughs> I've noticed that with my... Uh, ex-girlfriend and new people that I've talked to is that when you talk over text it's such a different experience and then when you talk in person there are so many more things that you can pick up on and I actually think that uh, she had talked about this at some point where she talked about how when we talk about things over text it's so much more difficult to get things across and we're missing so much about how we communicate with each other but this whole idea of we can talk about kindness but are unable to actually show kindness, it does seem like there's that distance there. There's some kind of artificiality, uh, even more than artificiality. There's, there's some kind of serious disconnect between what we present ourselves as being an, being able to do and what we actually are. Quote, people who claim to love literature, the messy stories of our humanity, but are also monomaniacally obsessed with whatever is the prevailing ideological orthodoxy, end quote. Again, this is such an important idea. I think she just, in part three here, she just knocks it out of the park with so many ideas, is that even people who don't claim to love literature, there were very important aspects about the way that we told stories historically that brought us together, that gave us shared ideas that we could all access and use in our own lives, and that very importantly showed us what a messy thing life is so that we could have more grace and humility when we were dealing with other people. And when you don't have that you end up with what she'll describe later here when I get to another quote. Quote, people who ask you to educate yourself while not having actually read any books themselves while not being able to intelligently defend their own ideological positions because by educate they actually mean parrot what I say, flatten all nuance, wish away complexity, end quote. Again, you know, that one's pretty straightforward. It makes perfect sense and it's likely extremely accurate. Quote, people who wield the words violence and weaponize like tarnished pitchforks. End quote. I mean, how is there a more perfect description of the way those things are used? The words violence and weaponize. <laughs> are they nothing other than tarnished pitchforks of the modern era? Quote, and so we have a generation of young people on social media so terrified of having the wrong opinions that they have robbed themselves of the opportunity to think and to learn and to grow. End quote. That's definitely what it seems like, and I've seen more and more people talking about how terrified students are, which is reassuring in some way that they still have this inclination, but also incredibly disconcerting that they're absolutely terrified to actually speak up about differing ideas or think critically about something. And it has this incredible stultifying effect, not just on what people are willing to say, but likely on how they think. That's something that Jordan Peterson, that was one of the band, the Kathy Newman interview, that was his big moment where he talked about how in order to be able to think, you have to risk being offensive. That's a very important part of being human, and when you can't do that, it does strip away that humanity. 
Quote, we are no longer human beings. We are now angels jostling to out-angel one another. God help us, it is obscene. End quote. That's absolutely what it feels like, and that's kind of the difference, something that we talked about multiple times, but uh, way back when, when we talked about philosophical zeroing versus normative. When you philosophically zero, you're trying to say that everything has to be 100%. When you're talking about normative, something can be 99%, it can be 56%. You know, you're just trying to weigh things one way or the other, and a normative analysis is going to have some kind of humility because you can't be sure when you philosophically zero everything has to be absolutely true and that's what we're doing is that we're angels jostling to out angel one another and that's what you see on social media that's what you see from progressives is that to say that you have to be perfect if you say anything at any time (laughs) if you do anything wrong at any time then you are on the march to the guillotine Okay, so that's the end of the article. Uh, Like I said, she just uh, smacked it right out of the park on part three. Has many important ideas, she said in a beautiful way. You can definitely tell this person writes for a living. (laughs) So to go into the analysis, one of the big questions here that kind of looms over it is the idea of TERFs versus the LGBTQ community. So TERFs are trans-exclusionary radical feminists. They're called radicals. But the important thing for them is that women have a different experience and women have to be separate to be able to claim their own liberation and to be able to commiserate about their oppression, that sort of thing. So if you say that somebody can identify as a woman as opposed to having had to live as a woman for you know their lives and that's how they experience being a woman, then that takes away that requirement. And uh, that's what it seems like uh, this particular author is, is that uh, when it comes to feminism, it's like feminism means women have a different experience and it's important to have that difference and emphasize and understand that difference as opposed to gloss over it because you are letting another movement take it over or gain prominence or greater importance to be able to drown out what it actually means to be a woman. So uh, overall, I mean, there's some wonderful writing, some wonderful ideas. It's occasionally overly emotional and obsessed with reputation. (laughs) You could see it a few times where it seems like there's a different kind of analysis going on where it's dramatically concerned with what something is doing. You know, that betrayal, that backstabbing from another female who's also a feminist has a particular importance in this kind of context. And that injury to reputation is much more important than something that like she didn't punch you in the face or something like that but that that backstabbing via social media has this particular effect that it not it shouldn't necessarily have but again i mean this is a feminist writer who's calling out these woke tactics and so it's refreshing to see but more important than that than her being a feminist calling out a feminist and progressive tactics is the fact that she had some great ideas here and she had some wonderful ways to say them so big picture wise I'm not quite sure the best way to say it, but there is no floor. There is no foundation. Human civilization isn't really standing on anything. And that's what I've come to learn over the last few years. It's like the only thing that keeps us sane is the belief in fairies. You know, you have that Peter Pan stage play where uh, they call all the kids to say that they believe in fairies to get Tinkerbell to come back around (laughs) and come back to life. And I always wondered what happened if none of the kids were into it, none of them said anything. <laughs> but that's what it's like when it comes to, you know, human civilization. I mean, historically, it seemed like there was this inviolable substrate, and a lot of that was provided by religion. It's like a person always knew when they were doing wrong and always had this irksome shame, at least when they hurt someone else. There was this universal self-effacement, and it seems like we don't necessarily have that 
And that's what I felt like prior to pretty recently. I felt like I hadn't stared psychopathology in the face until I tried to start dating again. <laughs> There's this kind of walking dead vacant fanaticism that you see in people. And it does sadly make perfect sense of the 20th century. But this could be a psychological speciation event that we're witnessing right now, where ideas can no longer reproduce. I think that's something that we're going to have to explore more carefully in the future and more thoroughly. But anyway, so this was <laughs> this is Coffee House. Check out Coffee House Corner on Substack, and I will see you on the next one. We are going to finish up. That's right. We've got Old Man in the Sea, Ernest Hemingway. It is so refreshing to read Ernest Hemingway. It's one of those writers that you can imbibe at any time, in any context, and for any length of time in one sitting. So, so that's great. But we're going to have the Old Man in the Sea coming up next so we can get some more fiction done, and then I think we're going to do Knowles' book. I think we're doing that speechless controlling words controlling minds available now for pre-order no it's available now to order now and i already did it's ready and and we're gonna get through that one after the old man the sea so anyway hope all is well and i will definitely see you on the next one all right bye (laughs) 